0: Hey everyone, my name is Limea Turner, and I'm the current intern for the Five Rivers program and your new host. Welcome back to season three of Emerging, the official podcast of Trout Unlimited Costa's Five Rivers program, brought to you by Sims Fishing Products. We're excited to bring on some new guests and talk conservation, fishing, and more. Today we talk to Jamie Vaughn, the Great Lakes Engagement Coordinator. Jamie has been with Trout Unlimited since 2014. She works at Chicago and does most of her work In Wisconsin and Michigan. We'll hear about some of our conservation work, volunteer engagement, and Stream Girls programming. We'll learn about some of the many ways you can help Trout Unlimited. Jamie also shares some tips on how to get a job in the environmental field. It was fun to talk to Jamie about her experiences with TU and how she got started. In the episode description, there's a few links to learn more about Trout Unlimited programs and projects. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to five rivers at tu dot org. We hope you enjoy the show, and thanks for listening It's nice to meet you, Jamie. Thank you for coming on with us today.
1: Yeah, you too. I uh, have seen your name a lot. I know you uh, used to work with Chris Collier, who's one of my colleagues. Yes, so I did. I'm super excited. yeah, to see where you're at now and your involvement in the Five
0: Rivers Club. it's so cool. Yeah, it is super exciting. To start us off here, could you just give a brief introduction?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Chicago. Um, Most of my career uh, was spent in Michigan. I worked there for the better uh, better part of the last decade, Um, and I just relocated back to Chicago this summer as my position kind of changed and took on a more Great Lakes focus. I'm the Great Lakes Restoration Engagement Coordinator, so my position, I work primarily in Michigan and Wisconsin. That's where we have our staff um, working uh, to protect and restore our cold water watersheds, And I get to do the fun work of engaging the community and the work that they're doing. So um, it's a blast. It's a new position. Um, It's a part of our new strategic plan of just doing a better job of engaging new, diverse audiences. So I'm excited to kind of be a guinea pig and, uh, yeah, be a good model for what this work could look like.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. It's just amazing how many different positions Trout Unlimited has, honestly. And it's so awesome that we try to get the public involved. Yeah, totally. So are you in charge of the social media, um, the Great Lakes account? I do. I do
1: run our social media pages, um, which I really, really enjoy. It's like my favorite part of the day is to like find 15 minutes to snuggle up on my couch and put together some cool pictures. And there are just so many great stories to tell from our team. I have a backlog of stuff from the field season and it's just amazing to have so much stuff to share.
0: Definitely. I can imagine. So what are some of the bigger projects you guys have been working on? yeah, so
1: as a Great Lakes team, we have grown tremendously over the last few years. When I started, I was the second staff person in the Great Lakes. Um, now we have like fourteen. Uh, so it's it's crazy, and we get a crazy amount of work done. Um, a lot of our work is happening in Northern Wisconsin, um, which you know you were familiar with, working with Chris up there. Yes. Um, northern Michigan and the UP. Um, and a lot of that work is infrastructure projects. So they repair um, road stream crossings that prevent fish from moving upstream. Um, so they uh, replace them with bigger culverts that are properly sized installed um, or bridges and things like that. So it's funny, it, it's kind of hard work to connect with if you know, you're know you not aware that, you know, I, I feel very Close with culverts, and when I see one, I (laughs) you know I relate closely to whether it's blocking fish passage or not. But most people are totally unaware of this stuff, and it's why would they? You know why would they be? So it's kind of a a challenge to sell that to the public and why this stuff matters. Um, But it really affects you know far beyond trout. It it relates to whether your community floods if you get a really bad rain, and if your road blows out, and if your you know town has to spend. Millions of dollars replacing, you know, roadstream crossings every year. So it really has a human impact. But yeah, it's uh it's infrastructure work. It's not the sexiest, but
0: <laughs> right. <it> no, <laughs> I, I totally get that. Cause yeah, with my internship, we, we surveyed roadstream crossings, and I mean, for that, I had no idea really what they were. I never really thought about them. And then now, when I see them, I'm like, oh, you know, that might be a hard for tr- fish to travel through that passage, or oh, that's a great passage. Like recently, they just <laughs> put a new culvert in by one of our parks, and like I noticed that. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. You know, like I, that's something I would have never really looked at for sure. Yeah. And now you're
1: intimately aware of them. So you can never go
0: back.
2: That's right. Crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and I
0: mean, they're big projects, too. I got the chance to kind of watch one. I didn't get to help with it. But I mean, there's just so much machinery. So much, you got to like divert the water. And it's just really cool. It is. It's really cool to be a part of. But then do you guys um, partner with other kind of organizations on those projects usually? Yeah, you know, it runs the gambit. We have like large
1: federal partners like the U.S. Forest Service all the way down to our TU chapters, volunteers, watershed groups, um, and all kinds of different stuff. A lot of people look to TU for our expertise in designing roadstream crossings and these projects. Um, we have a really amazing science team Um, led by Jake Lemon, and and he's highly sought after in the Great Lakes for getting his knowledge on innovative techniques for monitoring. So um, we have all kinds of partners, um, you know, even outside of the areas we're working in. We have all kinds of great partners who run our Stream Girls program with us. So yeah, none of our work happens without community partners. Every one of our projects involves so many, and I think that makes our project so much better and just so much richer and It's so great when we can pull other people into our work.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then actually, let's backtrack a little bit too. Um, What made you want to get involved in the fisheries? Is this something you kind of thought about before, like in college, or is it just something you jumped into and then decided, like, this is really cool?
1: Yeah, so fisheries, you know, not at all. That was totally out of left field. But growing up in Chicago, I always loved the Great Lakes. You know, like any little kid, I, I loved exotic animals and, like, you know, wanted to save the planet, but not connected to my, you know, locality at all. I wanted to save, you know, polar bears and stuff. Right, I always definitely. cared about the Earth, and that, you know, really evolved over time. I took an environmental science class in high school, um, and I was pretty lucky, I feel, to know early on that I wanted to go into the environmental field. Um, I went to U of M in Ann Arbor, and I um, majored in environmental science, And a lot of my coursework was on, uh, you know, fresh water, you know, hydrology, climate change, all that kind of stuff. Um, I did not anticipate getting into, you know, the fisheries kind of fly fishing realm. Right. Um, I I got an internship after college with TU, and I have never looked back. I've been there for eight years. So um, there was a lot to learn with that, you know, kind of side of things. Oh, definitely. um, yeah, it went really well with with what I studied and um yeah, it's it's really cool it as
0: my passion. Yeah, that's super cool. So before you joined Trout Unlimited, you haven't had any fly fishing experience? No,
1: no. I fished a little bit, you know, growing up with my aunts and uncles. We would, you know, fish with like hot dogs on little lakes and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And with my Snoopy fishing pole. Um so it was, it's really intimidating. I think fly fishing is intimidating for even, you know, the most expert of women. Oh, I definitely um, agree with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you and, and Libby both can, it's intimidating to get into, to you too. Um, so that was hard for a while. Um, I always felt like I was, you know, just had to fake it till I make it and and like was kind of an imposter, but honestly the, this, our staff and community has been so welcoming and I have tried fly fishing quite a bit. I, I don't catch much, but when I do, it's really exhilarating, but yeah, definitely. oh my God, it's just amazing being out, like the idea of fly fishing, I enjoy it so much, whether I'm, I'm catching anything because it's just so active and you just, I, there's nothing like it. I, I love it as a sport.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's so much different than regular fishing and like, it's hard to describe it unless you do it just because it's usually just you and like, I mean, I've only done fly fishing in like Northern Wisconsin and just wandering yeah. small streams and the little dinky towns, like it's just so fun. Yeah, I'm curious how you got into it. Yeah, I didn't fly fish at all either until I got my internship. And one of the other interns I worked with, he was super into fly fishing. So I asked him to take me out one time. And then for the rest of the summer, we just fly fished a lot. Like after work, you know, we just surveyed streams all day and then hit the streams after. And I mean, honestly, I literally only caught two fish like a whole summer. But the first fish I caught was like a really big, like six inch brook trout. It was pretty awesome. So it was really fun. That's awesome. I love that. Do you remember your fishing experience, any chance?
1: Yeah, mine was the exact same. I, when I was an intern, we had another intern, Jared Sartini, and he was a total angler. Um, So he took me fishing some days after work and I caught my fish, you know, the first time we went out, it was a little, you know, brown trout, but I was hooked. It was, yeah, definitely. It's crazy how much you have to learn to like get over that hump of like knowing how to, actually you know get your rod ready and step into the water and i've been forced to learn that because of our youth programs and like taking kids fishing so that's been kind of nice i can't uh, avoid it i have to figure out how to do all that stuff yeah and definitely so i mean me, yeah personally yeah there's a lot
0: of little things to go with fly fishing come like to tie and flies all the different casting techniques like it's a lot to learn but it's super cool
1: yeah yeah it's overwhelming and very exciting at the same time
0: yeah so tell me a little bit about the stream girls too you mentioned your involvement in that yeah, so Stream Girls is
1: an amazing program. Our um Headwaters uh staff put it together maybe a, a decade ago. And basically it engages girls in fly fishing and STEM, and there's all kinds of research. Well, it's it's obvious there's a underrepresentation of women in fly fishing and in, in science and engineering, you know, career fields. And there's research that um, really run middle school is when they start to kind of pull away and lose confidence in those areas. So the program is designed for that age group. And basically a group of girls, um, it started off with Girl Scouts, but we've been able to do it with all kinds of different um, summer camps and different groups of girls, get out to a local stream and play and catch frogs and you know play with clay and look at insects and um, just kind of get really comfortable Uh, recreating in the outdoors. There's a lot of science and math involved, um, but also just fun. They are amazing fly tires.
0: Really? Uh, Just really, really good at listening. That's (laughs) awesome. I mean, uh, I struggle with it, but that's awesome.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah, these middle school girls, especially the Girl Scouts, just have such a knack for it. It's amazing, and it's arts and crafts hour for them, and um. So that's my favorite part is, is tying woolly buggers with them. But they get to cast a real fly rod and learn from experts. Um, the cool thing is we have a group in uh, Michigan called the Fly Girls of Michigan. And it's a group of women who just like to camp and, you know, hike and, and you know, tie flies and fish. So they are our primary volunteer group. Uh, so they're learning from women staff, women volunteers. And also these women are like scientists in, in their own right or doctors. And so they just have so many... Uh, cool stories to share with girls and they can really like imagine what they might be like as an adult, you know, fly fishing. So it's awesome. Um, We've been running programs in West Michigan um, and started some up in the Detroit and Flint area over the last couple of years. So we're also reaching girls who don't have high quality environmental, you know, education. So it's just a blast. There are a number of programs running, you know, in the Great Lakes, but throughout the country. So if you have the chance to get involved in one, um, or listeners, you know, volunteer for them. They are, they're just so much fun.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. If I knew about that stuff when I was younger, I would definitely try to get involved because it's a little bit harder yeah. when you're an adult and you don't have as much time and you just need to find the resources. So, like, that's just an awesome opp- opportunity for the younger generations. Yeah.
1: yeah. And these girls, like, they're not going to become hooked immediately, they're not going to start fly fishing through. You know, eighth grade and high school and college, but they'll have that little bit of knowledge and confidence that when they, you know, might come back to it a few years later or as an adult, they're going to feel a little less scared, a little less intimidated. And everybody says that, yeah, why wasn't that around when I was <laughs> right. a kid? Because it's just so freaking fun.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. And then it seems like you've done a lot of work on the Rogue River in Michigan. Could you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, so that was um, a Home Rivers initiative.
1: So TU um, selects major watersheds of importance to us, um, over time and, um, selects, you know, kind of a focus at the watershed level. So, um, the Rogue was chosen in like 2010. Um, and my boss, Nicole DeMaul led that initiative for many years. And when I joined her in 2014 as an intern, I continued to work on that project and it's cool to have such a tight you Know geographic focus, you're not trying to cover you know five states, you're working in one watershed. Yeah, sure. um, so you can really like be strategic uh, about the work that you're doing. And what was cool about this project that really set it apart from other TU projects is that we were like 15 minutes from Grand Rapids, so it's a huge metro area in Michigan. Um, so there were so many opportunities for community engagement. A lot of our staff work, you know, in the Grand Tetons or like out west and. There's very little, you know, opportunity to engage the community, and they do right. a great job with what they have. But we were just really lucky to have such a community connected to their river. Most of the people that came out uh, to plant trees with us or or look for insects with us were not T U members. They were not even anglers. They really, just, you know, <laughs> care, yeah, they just cared about their river and and liked opportunities to to learn about it. So that's kind of where I honed my skills and community engagement and kind
0: of set me up for this new position. Yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah. Have yeah. you worked on many projects on more of like a national level?
1: Yeah, so a lot of my work is focused in the Great Lakes, but it really all ties in, you know, together. We work really cohesively as a national staff. Um, we all normally work remotely, so the pandemic didn't really shake us too much. Right. We've been remote workers for a long time, so... Uh, We were kind of well-positioned to do that. But, you know, I'd say our infrastructure work is really kind of a a, a national effort. I don't know if you saw the news, but we just uh, signed an agreement with the Forest Service for $40 million um of restoration work and that is for our entire organization across, you know, across the board. So that's an example of a project that we're all working on together. Um, and that's something that's like n- not anything we've ever been able to achieve at that level before. So I yeah, think we're just awesome. getting better and better at doing that. Yeah.
0: That's super cool.
1: Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. I, I do find it funny that Trout Limited just like doesn't really have like home bases, Like everyone just kind of works from wherever they are and then you meet up and kind of meet other people working in your data region. Like that's so super cool. It
1: is. It's an amazing place to work. I love my job. I, I told Libby when she came on, I'm like, I think you're going to be really happy here because uh, we have great leadership. I feel really supported. Um, and it's highly encouraged to just enjoy the work that you're doing. It's busy. It's hard, but, you know, get out there and, and fly fish while you're out on the job. And And, you know, we work like, you know, long hours in the field season, but then, you know, there are times when things are slow and we can, you know, kind of have a better work-life
2: balance and Um, working from home makes that a lot easier, so.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
2: Jamie, could you talk a little bit about what your season looks like? Like being in the Great Lakes region, obviously your winters are really tough, so like what months of the year are you typically doing uh, most of your field work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, our projects planning, grant writing, we secure all of our, you know, grant funds. A lot of that stuff takes place in the slower months, in the winter, when they're, you know, kind of out of the fields. Um, Things really pick up in the springtime. We start hiring seasonals. I think we hired 12 students last summer to help us with all of our work across the Great Lakes. So um, that takes, yeah, that takes some coordination in and of itself. And, um, and then we're really out monitoring probably June, July, um, and then construction can happen anywhere in that window too. It's so um, it's kind of hard to pin down. There's so many moving factors from contractors and schedules, and in recent years there have just been problems with sourcing equipment and supplies and all kinds of crazy stuff that makes makes projects a little hard to plan. But um, yeah, our field season really ramps up probably June. Construction goes anyway, you know, anywhere through October. And it is just a mad season of just collecting as much data as we possibly can while the weather is cooperating. And, um, and through that time, we love to have volunteer events like tree plantings, um, you know, spring and fall are a great time to do that. So we get our tree army out um, to our rivers and streams to, you know, plant trees to combat climate change. So most of the year is, a, is our busy season, um, but it is nice to have those winter months to, to slow down a little bit
0: yeah, I was actually wondering the same thing because, yeah, Midwest winters are pretty harsh, so you can't really do as much outside work. Yeah, it's nice to not have to go to the field when it's freezing out. So. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> have you ever done any winter fly fishing? You know, i I don't do well
1: in the cold, so <laughs> that's not anything I've ever signed up for. I have had to do some field work where we're monitoring brook trout or um, doing some like leaf pack projects with kids in the winter. And it can be really brutal when you, you know, stick your hand to grab, you know, something out of the water and your sleeve gets soaked and you spend the rest of the day with a cold arm. Oh, yeah.
0: That would be rough for sure. Uh, Yeah.
1: So, no, I don't willingly go out on the stream in the winter, but it (laughs) always looks beautiful. I'm jealous of people that do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of trying to organize a trip with our club here in Duluth and um, go down to the Driftless region of Minnesota and maybe try some winter fly fishing. Nice. Libby, have you done much winter fishing?
2: Yeah, I go out quite a bit in the winter here in Missouri, but I mean, our winters are pretty mild. Like we definitely have those really cold spells, but um, you know, it's not consistently getting down to below zero. Um, so yeah, I do, but you know, not none of the super hardcore stuff.
0: Yeah. Where are some of the cool places around the States that you've gone with Shot Unlimited? You know,
2: with most of my work,
1: I've been so focused on the Rogue that I've really, you know, spent most of my time there. Um, that is what feels like my home water. Um, you know, after moving to Chicago just this past summer, I haven't had much opportunity to travel to our project sites, but um, I know there will be a lot more opportunity. So I'm excited to get up to the Wisconsin North Lids for some projects and the UP. And, um,
2: but yeah, I they need to send me out to some more project sites for sure. Yeah, Definitely. Jamie, could you talk a little bit more about the tree army and uh kind of what those plantings look like and like who who is the tree army, who's planting the trees?
1: <laughs> yes, I love this. So the tree army is my favorite project that's my baby. It's more of a concept. <laughs> you know, we when we created the tree army, it was me. Um and I just had to kind of be a ghost army and help it grow and grow and grow until um it you know, it could really achieve its, you know, name status, but yeah, we got the idea to do, um, some really large scale tree plantings in the Rogue River watershed a couple years ago. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, that rolled ash borer much where you're working, but it completely ravaged our stream sides here. So we have, um, you know, riparian areas that have no trees at all. So just completely decimated. Um, so we wanted to, you know, plant seedlings so that in 10, 20, 30 years, there's going to be a riparian buffer in these streams. Um, but also to combat climate change, you know, we know that these, um, cold water resources are so vulnerable. So trees provide shade, you know, woody habitat, they help create pools. Um, they soak up stormwater, which we're going to see more of, they prevent erosion, all kinds of good stuff. So, um, it was a little bit experimental. Um, we are um, incorporating some climate science and planting more southern trees. Um, so if you could imagine, the warmer it gets, um, you know, the trees that are doing well in you know southern states right now are going to, you know, their range is going to increase and cover you know much of the Great Lakes. So we're planting species like pawpaw and bald cypress, which you don't normally see here, but are projected to do really well here. And yeah, most of them are are little seedlings and. Our army, um, you know, it was made up of uh, a conservation crew that we would hire in the spring and fall. Um, That's really the time, you know, that you're able to do this work at scale. So um, they would work, crazy for about a month and do maybe 15,000, you know, trees each season. But then it's really augmented by tons of volunteers, businesses, you know, all kinds of community stakeholders. So we have a lot of different opportunities for volunteers to come out and plant trees, whether we're live staking or planting seedlings. And those are really good for our, you know, public spaces where it's good to have volunteers, our crew, we send them out to more remote areas or public Um, Or I'm sorry, private lands where it's, you know, more challenging to have volunteers. So the tree army is made up of all kinds of stakeholders who care about our cold water resources. And it has grown to pass the Rogue River watershed. We got more funding after a couple of years. So we expanded into uh, the White River watershed and the Pier Marquette uh, and the Manistee. So um, we've really grown uh, as an army. And uh, as of this year, we have planted uh, over 50,000 trees across west michigan so wow that's, that's awesome just, yeah it's crazy to think about um how quickly that kind of initiative grew and and took hold and how successful it's been at getting funding so um it's just been a riot and really fun um we do weird stuff like we dress up in costumes on halloween and plant trees and <laughs> um we had a tree planting tailgate in october so people dressed up in their michigan and michigan state gear to just kind of make it fun you know this work should be fun and and it's awesome to get people together to do this kind of work. So, so yeah, I'm trying definitely. to spread the tree army throughout other, other watersheds. So it could be a really cool project for a Five Rivers Club to take on. Yeah, that yeah would I was going
2: to say, do you have any any advice for a club that is looking to take something like that on? Just kind of like some first steps. Yeah, you know, you know, get plugged into your community
1: partners. Conservation districts often have access to a ton of trees. Trees are actually not hard to get a hold of. Um, A lot of times people have excess of them or they have grants and they don't have the, you know, locations to plant them. So um, one thing that's really nice is our our Rivers app. So anglers can go out, they can download this app um, and document where they might see areas that are uh, lacking a riparian buffer. So, you know, say if it's just grass, you know, mowed down to the edge, that's somewhere that we, you know, would really like to see trees that would benefit from trees. So documenting that stuff, um, a lot of times, you know, we can't, you know, we don't have eyes everywhere, so if we learn about these sites, we can help take care of them. Um, and also, if you have a good site in your community and you want to organize a project, reach out to a TU staffer or, um, you know, just adopt it as your club. There's a technique called live staking, and basically you can cut um, branches from certain species like willow and dogwood, um, stick them in the ground, and they will regenerate. So that is, you know, free, <laughs> you know, so that's always very desirable. It's a a really cool way to do restoration.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. Do you have someone on staff that's kind of in charge of choosing exactly what types of tree species and how many and like how to like logistics work out in those projects?
1: Yeah, I help with a lot of those details um, when our staff have projects. Um, Other times the Forest Service has a list of trees that they like to see planted in Forest Service land. Um, So it totally depends, but we do have a tree planting guide called Fantastic Trees and Where to Plant Them uh, for our Harry Potter fans out there. That's awesome. So, yeah, so we have a lot of recommendations and lists and stuff um, of good species we recommend.
2: Sweet. So many good links uh, that I'm, like, keeping track of to, to, to send people after this episode. There's, there's some good stuff.
1: Good, yeah, let me know if I can get you anything. Yeah, we will do.
0: Yeah, so how does the Great Lakes kind of impact you work? Do you work any, work with any watersheds that are near the Great Lakes at all? Yeah, so um,
1: I'd say that we have our most impact with the Great Lakes through our advocacy work. So um, say advocating for funding like the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, that's funding that's specific for um, the Great Lakes to do just the type of projects that we're talking about, uh, infrastructure and tree planting and things like that. Um, Every year we kind of have to ask Congress to, um, you know, appropriate all of that money for the program. Um, and it's so important for them to hear the success stories. Like there, there are so many examples on the ground of this money doing really good work. So when we can get to you members, or volunteers or five river clubs, members to sign on to action alerts, when we put them out, we have one right now, um, that's urging Congress to include great lakes investments in the fiscal year, 23, um, budget. So, um, you know, ensuring that kind of funding has a huge impact. Um, also stuff like invasive carp. Um, that's a huge concern in Michigan. Uh, so again, telling Congress to prioritize those projects so that we don't lose our you know highly important fishery in the Great Lakes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned invasive carp because I did a small little research project on that for um a job interview, and it's just kind of I never really realized how big of an issue it is. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a little bit like out of sight, out of mind for
1: us, um, but they are knocking at our door in Lake Michigan and it, it's scary and we don't want to imagine a world where they are in there. So um, there's been a lot of um, progress and a lot of good news surrounding that as far as funding, but we just need to get over like a little bit of a hump to get the rest of the money to put some construction projects in place to make sure that
0: they stay out. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of specific projects does do you work on to keep CARP out of the rivers?
1: Yeah, so um, I think our role is really supporting, you know, getting the funding for, um, say, the Brandon Road Lock and Dam project that's in Illinois, and that is really our best chance for keeping carp out of Lake Michigan. So it's a project that's run by the Army Corps of Engineers and all kinds of partners. Um, so we don't play a heavy role in that um, that kind of uh, project, other than advocating um, at the, you know, federal level at the Hill and, and asking Congress to. Um, make sure that we make that project happen.
0: Okay, awesome. And you mentioned people can help and sign like petitions? Totally. Yeah. So we have action alerts um, going on pretty
1: regularly across to you, but for the Great Lakes as well. So if you follow us on social media, um, I have an active one right now, so you can write to your legislators. It's a really, really easy form. Um, you can add in some of your own language if you want, but we have a form letter um, just telling them that, you know, these issues are really important. This money does really good stuff on the ground, and we really want to see it, you know, included in this budget. So um, that's a great way for people to be involved who may not live, you know, near a trust chamber. They can go help, you know, hands-on. Um, every voice really does matter, and every letter that a Congress, you know, man or woman gets about an issue, um, you know, is significant, and they pay attention to their constituents. So I think that's a really cool
2: Way for people to get involved.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's super cool. Yeah, we just had
2: um, the Five Rivers virtual event uh, last week, and we had Greg McReynolds, who works does a lot of work on our uh, Snake River campaign, join and just kind of give a Snake River update. And yeah, one of the things he mentioned is that you know legislators they actually don't get like uh, letters and phone calls as often as you'd think. And so like on issues like that that are you know, really their constituents care a lot about and they um, can tell that it's, it's really important that they actually like probably, you know, most likely this is sort of a blanket statement, but um, they do appreciate those those letters and and the outreach. So, yeah, it can it can do a, a lot more than than what you think it could.
1: Yeah, it can feel like you're kind of writing a letter into a black hole <laughs> and you're wondering like, OK, does this really make a difference? If I sign this on, it's an easy thing, but it really does. So I highly encourage people to take those actions when they see them. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious what your Five Rivers Club has been up to. What kind of projects do you work on or do you do um, a lot of fishing and tying? And-
0: right now, our Five Rivers program is pretty small. We kind of had a hard hit during COVID, so it's hard to keep people engaged. So right now, we're just trying to keep whatever little members we have, um, hopefully get on some few trips, definitely go to the Midwest meetup. And we're in- involved a little bit with our Try to limit a Chapter here. So we're hoping to go to some of their events. So I'm excited about that. I think they'll have like a fly tie in this December and then like a film festival. We'll try to just see what we can get involved in. That's so cool. You
2: guys have done some tree plantings and like some kind of fly fishing one-on-one stuff with the chapter in the past, haven't you?
0: Yes, yes, we have. We've done um, Bryce, our our previous president, was involved with the the plantings a little bit. And then him and I went to one of the fly casting clinics um, this summer.
1: That's awesome. Your Midwest meetup looked really cool. I saw pictures and video from that and that looks like a freaking blast.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, that's what kind of made me want to even help a with this club even more is just try to get people involved because there's, there's just such an awesome fly fishing community out there. Yeah, yeah, we're
2: doing the event again this spring, and um, same place at the West Fork Sports Club in Verona, and we're super excited about it. Um, that the event that we had this past spring that Linnea went to was um, our first like post-COVID event, and okay. so our attendance was low, but like the excitement was there. Like everyone was just, you know, you could tell everyone was just like chomping at the bit, ready to like get back out there and be around people again. Um, and so I, I think we're gonna have a lot more folks attend this year and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, there's people might not always think of the Midwest, um, when they think of fly fishing or, or trout fishing, but in my opinion, like the community there in the Midwest, especially the upper Midwest is like some of the strongest, um, community that I've seen. And like, Especially just looking at our TU volunteers, like our adult volunteers outside of Fire Rivers. Like and Jamie, I'm sure you can speak to this too. Like those volunteer communities are extremely active and just there's so many incredible individuals out there doing that work.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. They totally are. It's it's really cool to see um, how many people you know, just get around and support this work and and have for their whole lives. And so it's also exciting to see young people, you know, coming up and embracing it too, because we need our next generation to do that. So I'm glad you two are out there inspiring our college students to just really, you know, find a love in fly fishing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one thing I thought was really cool about the meetup too, is that I really haven't explored the southern part of Wisconsin much, especially for fly fishing. And it's drastically different than northern Wisconsin. Just like the driftless region, there's like no trees, so you don't have to roll cast and everything like that, you know. That's what I hear. Is it easier to fish? Should I go fishing there? <laughs> yeah, I got to fish a little bit, and I mean, it was pretty cool. Yeah, have you
1: been out there much lately for fishing? What's it like?
2: Oh, have I? No, I. <laughs> last year was the first year that I went to, or I guess it was, yeah, 2022. That was the first time I'd been to Wisconsin at all, and I didn't get to fish um, because I was. Attempting to, you know, host the event, which is, like, the fun, yeah. you know, just the funny <laughs> thing about working for TU. Like, whenever I tell people what I do, they're like, oh, my gosh, so you just get paid to fish all the time? I'm like, mm, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this year I am tacking on some extra days to my travel, so I will definitely, definitely be spending some more time fishing there. But, yeah, it really is a just a really unique landscape and definitely something that, that I wouldn't have expected for Wisconsin, at least. But yeah, definitely a, a uh, something to put on everyone's fishing bucket list is, is a Driftless region. Yeah, it's online for sure.
0: Yeah, so Jamie, like as an engagement coordinator, um, what is like kind of your just a day-to-day look like? Do you do a lot of um, online work or are you in the field a lot? Yeah,
1: it's a really good balance, which I love. There's like a great diversity to the work that I do. A lot of it's... um you know, relationship building with different partners and chapters, a lot of social media and communication stuff. So I do a lot of storytelling about the projects that we're doing. I really feel like it's a real shame if we're doing this great work and don't talk about it and nobody's aware um, of the impact that we're having on their cold water streams and also educating them about you know, wh- wh- why we need to care about this and why it's important to all communities. And um, so a lot of education, communication uh, in the summer. I'm super busy with stream girls. So I'm running camps across Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, which I really, really love. It's, it's an absolute blast. And um, Our volunteer staff, there's a lot of stuff in the spring and fall. So a lot of field work, a lot of travel. Um, so it's a really nice balance. I really, really, um, I like how many different things I get to work on in a single day. It's kind of uh, exhilarating and, and makes you feel a little crazy sometimes, but that's what I love about to you.
0: Yeah, definitely. sounds like you would have a lot of things going on at once, but also that's that's definitely rewarding to know that you're getting yeah. things done. Yeah, absolutely. So what's kind of the main reasons you've felt like you've liked to stay with Trend Unlimited for this long? I
1: I don't know anything else. This has been my only, you know, job as an adult, so it's hard to compare, but I feel like I really hit the jackpot. Um, I'm doing work that I love. I'm working with amazing people. Uh, I've had amazing, like, support and leadership from my boss and team over the years. Um, Just feel very... Very rewarded. It's, it's amazing uh, when we do get together as a staff at conservation meetings um, or or like retreats. I, I'm just like on a high for days because you see the people that you email with you you know all year round, and to see them in person and to build those connections. There's an incredible group of people that work into you, and um, I think that's that's the best part is just the amazing team. They all work you know work their asses off for this job, and but they all care about it so deeply and. Um, yeah, and I love the flexibility. I love working at home. Um, it works really well for me with, you know, evening meetings and travel and weekends. Um, it's a great, you know, it's a great culture. Um, so just simply that as an as an employee, I feel really, you know, supported and taken care of. And um, we are just getting better and better and better as an organization, too. We're becoming more more diverse and focusing on the work that we really need to focus on, taking care of communities who are, you know, underserved and ignored. And I love our leadership in Chris Wood. Uh, you know, with that success of this Forest Service money that's coming in, I think it just really speaks to how good we're doing the work and, and working with our partners. I think we are really revered as a conservation organization. People know, um, you know, we're unbiased. We just do good science-driven work um, and people trust us to do to do the job and to stick with it and to make sure projects
0: are successful. And um,
1: so, obviously, I can't say enough good things about how to you. And it's just a wonderful place.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the little time I had there it was definitely just awesome to meet the cool people. I totally yeah, see you. Yeah, well, you're we saying. need
1: uh, to find you a job and get you back in our team because
0: uh, I think you'd fit in really well. Yeah, I've been looking around. We'll, we'll see if I find something here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, on the career's note, Jamie, do you
2: have any advice for um, college students or who are getting ready to graduate or maybe have recently graduated who um, are looking to, to break into this career? I mean, I, I know from just from my experience with getting an undergrad in wildlife conservation that um, it's pretty hard to find something that is um, permanent, you know, in one location and, uh, full-time and not just seasonal. And obviously, you know, that seasonal work is really important and valuable and, and, you know, you really have to kind of put the work in, uh, through those seasons to, to really get to, um, a more, I guess, stable (laughs) career for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, you know, just with that, do you have any advice just from, from your experiences?
1: Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think the environmental field has an issue with the, the way that people have to enter the fields. Um, as a seasonal, it's it's important work. We need that work. Um, but it's really hard to sustain, you know, a living. You need to have multiple jobs to make it work. It's part, only part time of the year. Um, there can be extensive travel and expenses. And um, it's not a sustainable, you know, you know long-term career. I will say, um, you know, when you're when I'm hiring, I always think of the people that I know um, because those are the people that I, I know can communicate well, or I know I have a personality that jives with them, or I know they're they can um, you know they have these skills that I'm aware of compared to a candidate who I may have never met before. Um, It's easier to kind of trust your gut and go with who you know. So putting yourself out there, attending meetings, volunteering, you've probably heard this before, but it really matters. You know, given the choices, you're going to go with somebody who you know has already proven, you know, themselves to you, who you feel comfortable with. So just building relationships um, with organizations where you might, you know, be interested in, in getting hired. Uh, really matters So show up to volunteer. You know, seasonal jobs do turn into full-time jobs. I started as an intern um, and it really lucked out for me. It doesn't always, um, but it is a great way to get your foot in the door. And sometimes the only way, which I, I think, you know, is a problem that we kind of need to solve as a as an environmental organization because it, it can be really hard for people just getting out of school and needing to make money um, to make those sacrifices to want to, you know, stay in their fields that they've studied in. Um, yeah, and, and skills that I, I think are so necessary are just, you know, being detail-oriented and organized. Like I said, um, I wear so many different hats, you know, on on any given day. Um, just being able to manage, you know, manage your workload, being organized, being able to communicate, being able to write. Those are, you know, skills that I cannot say more about Um you need to be able to communicate the work that you're doing to the, you know, community at large. So can't stress that enough. Those are really, really good skills that I always look for when I'm hiring.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's some great advice. Um, One thing I'm wondering actually is, do you use GIS at all? Because I know that it's kind of been a good base kind of program to know for a lot of environmental science work. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. That is so highly sought after when we have, you know, seasonals or employees that know GIS, they just... Um, become really, you know, hot commodities, and they make you, you know, a very essential part of the team. Um, we use GIS work with all of the mapping that we do, and it's really an essential piece. So if you can take classes on that, that will just put you ahead of the pack because that it wasn't totally the case, I think, when I was, was graduating. I took some classes um, but didn't put it into use, you know, immediately, and I kind of lost some of that um but that will definitely set you apart now having that skill.
0: Okay yeah that's really good to know because I will probably be taking a course next semester and I was kind of debating whether to take it or not. It's a good idea. Awesome. Libby have you been enjoying to you?
2: Yeah I have also been loving it I would just echo everything that you said um about the culture of the organization um and just what you mentioned too about looking for jobs and just making those connections. Um, I interned for Five Rivers when I was in college, which helped me get my first like big kid job out of college, and then eventually helped me get this job with TU um, and so yeah it's it's a pretty you know just the conservation and the fly fishing industry like are they're just so small um, and so those those personal connections can just go a really long way um, but yeah I definitely like enjoy the you know working from home but also like we do have those opportunities um, to meet coworkers and to you know share a, a beer and not just emails all the time uh, that is just like it really fires me up and just kind of like reignites my passion for for the work that we do um and same goes with you know volunteers and and meeting the five river students i've only had uh probably i guess three or four opportunities to meet students now since, since starting this job about a year ago, but um, it's just incredible. And like seeing uh, the passion in their eyes and their excitement for, for getting new people involved in fly fishing and conservation is uh, it's just really contagious. So yeah, even though we do, you know, work from home and we our staff is spread out quite a bit nationally um, and, you know, we might not get, that many opportunities for in-person engagement um, just the the chances that we do get uh, just make it that much better. So,
1: so yeah. Yes. Well, we're so lucky to have you.
2: Yeah. It's a great place to be. But yeah, I mean, with Linnea, like, going to the Five Rivers meetup, and then I think I think at the meetup, I mentioned, like, we need a new podcast host, like, we need a new intern. <laughs> uh, and she had reached out to me after the fact, and, uh, you know, she was able to to write an article about uh, the Midwest meetup for the TU digital magazine, and so I was just super impressed with her writing skills and, uh, you know, just her perspective as a somewhat new angler and, um, you know, someone that's, that's sort of new to fly fishing and uh, is looking for a a career in conservation so so yeah it's definitely uh, really awesome to make those connections and and see where they can
0: lead. Yeah Jamie with your work too it's kind of interesting because you work with kind of a range of ages you work with younger kids and then volunteers with like older people too Um, Mm -hmm. kind of what what's your thoughts on that how is it different working with younger kids and then volunteers?
1: Yeah so a lot of people in this field I think kind of scoff at or, like, are just terrified of doing environmental education, because it can be overwhelming. I really like working with kids. They are very easy to impress. I <laughs> have to, You know, I don't have to know a ton. I can just show them some, you know, caddisflies, and they're just like, oh my god, that's amazing. So they're an easy audience to please, so I always appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I, I love working with all ages. It, it's really cool to see who comes out to support to you and to give back. and um, they really, you know, range from all kinds of different people. Um, so that's, it's just so great to get connected with the community. And sometimes, you know, people show up and they have no idea who T U you is. They just saw this, you know, event on their community calendar and, and come because they want to, you know, want to give back or want to get outside with their family. So it's, it's, uh, It's just really amazing what people do um, to kind of step out of their comfort
0: zone and and get involved. Yeah, that definitely is awesome. So kind of what are the best places for people to find out about different volunteer opportunities, Um, like the TU website, social media, those kind of things?
1: Yeah. So for the Great Lakes, I would say social media on Instagram and Facebook um, are the most up-to-date volunteer opportunities um, that being said, not everybody's on social media, so becoming a TU member um, is really helpful because you will get emails from uh, myself and also your uh, chapter leaders um, about events happening in the Great Lakes. So um, it's uh, $35 to become a member, and we offer a lot of discounts and free memberships to different communities, like if you're a first responder or a veteran. Um And all kinds of stuff so it's a great way to stay involved but if that's not your thing um, yeah just follow us on on social media uh, to get in touch
0: yeah definitely that's awesome Jamie
2: we really enjoyed hearing about your role with TU and and how you came into the field and and all the exciting things that you Mm -hmm. have going on Um, I know I really enjoy following your Great Lakes social media page and just all the the fun events and activities and uh, just you know all the creative ways that you engage with your community. Um, so yeah, we'll be sure to include links and uh, social tags for everything that you mentioned. And um, yeah, hopefully this will reach some folks in the Great Lakes that can can uh, find ways to to get involved with TU through that. So. Well, it's awesome
1: uh, talking to you too. I hope we can hang out in person sometime, but it just fills me with joy seeing young women uh, kind of taking the reins and getting involved in TU. And um, so you guys inspire me. And I'm grateful for what you do. Yeah, thanks so much, Jamie.
0: Um, I I find it so cool that you started as an intern too. And then here you are now working for them for so many years. So I think that's really inspiring for sure. Yeah, it can work.
1: It can be you. I hope so.